the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts of the 2022 WVBA Talk Show of the Year, Jordan Nicewarner and Marcia Kavalik. It is Wednesday the 18th. You're tuned in to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firms from West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. Family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me, Marsha Kavalik. Marsha, good morning. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? All right. I'm, I'm getting there. Thanks for the coffee this morning. Uh, you're welcome. Appreciate that. That was a, uh, a very nice addition to Panhandle Sports Live. And before we get to talking about all this, di- all these different flyers and paperwork we got in front uh-huh. of us, uh, joining us is Martinburg Police Chief George Swartwood. Again, I got some of the most unsurprising information about uh, the chief this morning, Marsha, and it's that he's a Cowboys fan. And with a voice like his, I mean, why wouldn't he be a Cowboys fan? Go boys. Absolutely. <laughs> I've been a Cowboys fan ever since I was a kid. And, uh, I, I heard y'all sports thing on. Sorry, my voice does carry. <laughs> and I know one one of your persons is a Bengals fan. I said, I feel your pain. I, yeah. I'm sorry for that. But, uh, yeah, I've been Dallas Cowboy fan all my life. Uh, often in a room, I'm by myself. Oh, <laughs> but, that's surprising. Uh, yeah, agreed. But uh, they did really well. They did really well uh, with the first uh, first round of the playoffs here. We got a real challenge coming up with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, we don't match up well with San Francisco, but I'm expecting big things this year. So, yes, I am proud of it as well. So, why Cowboys? I'm just from always, here, right? Yeah, so, I've, I've always been a Dallas Cowboy fan ever since I was a kid. And it, going back a little bit, because I'm a little bit older than both of y'all, not together, but just one <laughs> at a time. But uh, if you remember uh, Chuck Howley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's from West Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that that was the first interest there with me thing. And if I believe, if I'm correct, going back to a Super Bowl, he got voted MVP mm. on defense by a losing team. Mm. We lost, and I don't think that's ever been done before. And I'm sure somebody out there will say, "No, I'm wrong," or something that I'm not aware <laughs> of. But yeah, that's where it started. I think uh, is knowing that Chuck Howley was from West Virginia. You don't mind standing alone, obviously, living in in what has been Redskins country for yeah. most of your life, right? That's usually where I'm alone at when we go any places. <laughs> that, but no, I don't mind at all. And everybody's always been gracious and kiddingly good with me. Right. Well, so, very cool. So uh, I hear uh, law enforcement played host to Leadership Berkeley yesterday. I, I saw a um, post from Sheriff Nathan Harmon. I guess he got them in the afternoon, and you must have had him in the morning. We did indeed. I got contacted by one of our uh, civil service uh, presidents, actually, Kimberly Ford. And she asked if we would host this again and do this again at our department. Uh, and I said, of course, I love it. it. It's good stuff. We threw it out on our Facebook as well in the morning. Uh, approximately, t- I think there was 27 uh, persons that were involved in it. They came to the class. And it's just a great group. I mean, it's a great group of people here from Berkeley County and surrounding area uh, wanting to know more about their government, wanting to know more about what we do, what uh, Martinsburg, the city government, the county government, uh, the police departments do. And law enforcement day was uh, last time. Mm-hmm. 
So we brought them in. Naturally, everybody wanted a tour of the building. So I'm the tour guide for MPD. You're getting pretty good at that now? I am. I've gotten it cut down to where I can get in and out pretty quick. So I think everyone enjoyed that, seeing uh, the wonderful and beautiful building the city's blessed us with uh, to work out of. So they were... Uh, I, they all had a good time, but then, you know, I told them, I said, as gorgeous as this building is, and it is, and so highly functional, my people are my very best asset. And uh, I stress that with everyone. I introduced the crowd to all my detectives. I introduced them to Sergeant Mary Beth Cole and other persons that were on station that we would go across, my deputy chief, Aaron Gibbons, uh, just to reflect that, that our best attributes are men and women that I have, and I'm fortunate and blessed to have as a police force, but the building is a wonderful accent and the city's been very good to us. And then naturally, um, Patrolman Aaron Miller and Baff, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I saved them to the end yeah. because like I said before, don't ever follow the dog <laughs> act because nobody cares what you got to say once the dog's on stage. You know, our, our, um, market manager jared mm -hmm. was there he's in leadership berkeley this year and i noticed you know you guys had uh canine bath and then the sheriff's office did a did a similar presentation i was just looking for pictures of them maybe doing that um that canine challenge with jared oh, yeah. that would have been <laughs> yeah, the big been, pads on. The, yeah. Uh, kimberly told me said jess yeah, said I, I brought it up to the sheriff that uh hey george brought in a canine well we can give you a canine too so i think they did a bike demonstration <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's all good stuff but we had bath come in introduce the people and we told him that he's a passive alert mm -hmm. dog and that. And he was looking at one lady that <gasps> walked across stage. I said, Lord, he's looking at you real hard. It was all good because I'm sure she probably just finished breakfast or something. It had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but I mean, there was no alert or anything else. But it was a lot of give and take uh, with the audience and myself. And I told him, I said, Look, I could stand up here straight laced and everything else, but you all are a really good group and we're a lot of interaction between us and that's how I like to keep it. But as I, I love Baff, I love all our canines, but Baff is a huge dog. I think he's 125 pounds mm. for a shepherd mm. and he jumped up on a table every bit as this high. Just jumped jumped up on it like a pup. I said, <laughs> "Oh my lord." So everybody got a lot of good uh, a lot of good feedback from it and a lot of good uh, camaraderie from the audience and the police department. So that's good stuff. Kudos out there to Kimberly Four. Thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed very much doing it. So, of course, the general session is, is happening right now in Charleston. And, um, you know, I, I know that law enforcement in general, we talked to the Sheriff's Association as well, usually have a list of concerns. Some of them are concerns they bring up every year. Um, what are you looking toward in this year's general session? What are you hoping happening? Hoping happens uh, in regard to law enforcement? Well, um, I know specifically in regards to us and all, I think there's some things out there that are a bit uh, perplexing and a little complex as well. So I'm going to stand a little bit silent on until I myself know a little bit more about some of the bills that are out there. I've seen some things that are, I, I want to know more information on it. But one of the biggest things that we want to alert people to is, hey, we're hiring. We need personnel. I need officers. I'm down nine officers. Hmm. And uh, the city's been extremely good to us. Uh, Mr. Baldwin, Kevin Knowles, mayor, all of city council, uh, we were able to pass a very substantial pay raise. And uh, that got our salaries up uh, as high as they've ever been that I've seen. And that's tremendous. That is a calling card. You know, I, and... 
I'm a big, a big uh, supporter of TQ, TQM, Total Quality Management, you know, and I understand the concepts with that. But the biggest thing in there is allowing good people to do good work and keeping everyone informed, but allowing good people to do good work. And if you can have that, the first part of that is having people. And when you're nine down on, on a department of 50, that's significant. I mean, that's significant. It's almost 20% of your workforce. We, so we're hoping to come up. We're hoping to come up. We know statewide that uh, it's it's gotten the attention of uh, of the legislature and the governor, of course, um, Corrections in general, our our state uh, jails are are suffering in, in similar ways with vacancies. Even worse, uh, I, I tell you, uh, and my heart goes out to him. Like our starting salary is fifty two five in the city, which is very good mm-hmm. and tremendous, and it goes to fifty five one twenty five once you complete the academy. And trust me, if I get you in that academy, you're going to complete that academy because I got to have you back certified. That's the only way you can go on the street. So that is a very, very good and competitive raise. Now, naturally, it's always going to have to be looked at to add to later because other departments will go up even higher. And one of the things we were talking and we've talked to the administration from the Eastern Regional Jail, and they are, and what I was being told is they're down significantly, almost like 50%. Uh, to me, I can't do that job. And my hat's off to the administration's uh, to Tate. Uh, we may out there at the Eastern Regional Jail, my hat's off to you all because I can't do that job. I, I can't do when you close that door and lock in and you're basically doing time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, my heart's out to him because when they told me that, they also told me and I was looking online that their starting salary is 35000 So keep that in mind. I mean, as bad as maybe some of the problems that we may have or some of the things that hurdles that we're trying to get over, there are others that have it worse. Are you guys on the PEIA? insurance program like state employees are we we are with blue cross blue shield uh, okay. that, that's ours for the civil because that's another it. conversation that it the is state the insurance coming are... out and everything else it is and we do have some connections to peia but uh our insurance is i believe it's it's high mark mountain state mm-hmm. uh, blue cross blue shield which is excellent but uh, the benefit package with the city is second and none i mean i think it's tremendous uh, like i said this is home i've been here shoot 37 years so it's all really good stuff but some of the things are is we have we're hiring again and we have testing coming up uh february 25th is our next uh, police examination our next police applicant testing and all applications have to be in by the 24th so if you're looking for a very rewarding career and profession this is a great place to start and stay so I wanted to ask you, because uh, the county had considered putting on a public uh, comment period about a nuisance ordinance, uh, kind of a general one um, that was kind of touted as a tool for law enforcement and and uh, kind of patterned off of a nuisance ordinance passed in, in Martinsburg. Um, can you broadly talk about that? Has that been a good tool for you? Some of the ordinances we have, we have what's a public nuisance hearing, and we've had that forever. I believe some of the things that they patterned uh, is we we also have a drug house ordinance. And the teeth of the drug house ordinance is, is that if you, basically if you don't resolve the issues, which are mainly drug dealers staying at a, usually a rental property or something, and causing the quality of life just to disintegrate in that neighborhood. If if we can't come to an amicable resolve between the police and you, then we're going to move it up, and we're going to take some other actions. And one of the one of the teeth of ours is that 
once that's in effect, if it doesn't resolve itself, myself or a representative can move for a public nuisance hearing in front of city council. And what that does is they can yay or nay the city business license to be a rental or not. And that's a real big step once you do that. So does the drug house ordinance work? Absolutely. Did we, did I revamp it when I came uh, into the power of chief? Yes, I did. There were things in it that, uh, when it first came out, it was tremendous, and it was grabbing a lot of headlines. And a former chief, uh, Maury Richards, uh, did a great job with it, and he really enjoyed what it was doing. But I was, I was also seeing some negative things uh, with that concept that there has to be a point where, hey, good people sometimes, for nothing, no other reason, make mistakes. And you try to work with them, and that was always my approach. Let me call these people. Let me call these landlords. Let me make them aware of these property owners. Let me make them aware you got a problem. I wouldn't be here calling you if you didn't. Come in, see me. Come in with a plan that within three days of how you believe is a way to resolve this issue. And if I'm in agreement with it, we're all good. We're all good. I'll help you any way I can. And I think that was a much better approach. Because before you you would get the splash in the paper with their names in the paper, Mm -hmm. the drug house ordinance was affected by And I thought that was a little bit untimely Mm -hmm. by the way it was done because they never got a chance to address the issue first. Right. So that's what, that's what we've done. And we still do those and we still do those with uh, property that we get. And I've had a real good success rate. I know a lot of people and they would come in, sit down, talk to me, George, I had no idea. I got you. Let's work through this. You know, if we can get these people uh, through a wrongful occupation to leave the residence, I'm telling you, two of them are in jail right now. I know where they're at because we got dope out of your house. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. And they most don't. But every now and then, I'll get someone that'll thumb their nose at us. That's your problem, Swartwood. That's your problem. When I get called by my last name, it gets my attention, <laughs> uh-huh. especially if you pronounce it correctly. So, uh, you know, Swartwood, that's your problem. That's criminal activity. That's got nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm a renter. You know, I'm a landlord. I'm an owner of this residence and I'm a renter. That's your problem. You need to handle it. Oh, is that right? Okay, I will. I will handle your problem mm-hmm. every now and then, and but not often. So we're hoping uh, that it continues. Uh, and it, in the municipality, we have a lot of rental property. We have a lot of good property owners and a lot of good renters out there. And we don't want that to be affected by the few bad ones and the few bad tenants that are in there selling any kind of this poison inside my city. I'll, I'll come after you with everything I got. I'm sure the conversation will continue on the countywide uh, idea of having a, uh, such a nuisance ordinance. Again, we've been speaking with Martinsburg Police Chief George Swartwood. Before we let you go, one final question. Uh, I think it's the first time we've talked to you in 2023. How have things been going so far? Great. Uh, <laughs> we're doing as much as we possibly can. Um, you know, a lot of calls for service. We've had some people sick with some of the variants of COVID naturally uh, thing, but we're trying to keep our men and women safe. Um, the, the city's been good in blessing us uh, with the very best and latest equipment. Uh, my cert team is out all the time hitting them. I mean, we're getting dope off the street, getting guns off the street. That is vitally important for the well-being and health of the city. Uh, we're answering a lot of calls for service. TMI is up and running. I know we're keeping Noel with a, as our social worker busy as well. Uh, the guys have accepted her, starting to do a lot more interaction. And uh, there's some new programs we're going to enter in uh, with the United States Attorney as well. And uh, I'm real, I'm real 
uh, intrigued with it, and I'm happy, and I think it, it, it's about time. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell with us some about of the that ideas. When, when you can. Well, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna let the United States Attorney, Mr. Bill Illenfield, tell yeah. you about there that. You should he? Because I know he'll want to put something out. But I'm I'm very interested in it. And hey, Bill, if you're listening, you're in it. I'm in it. You know, I'm I'm with you. So uh, it'll be good. It'll be it'll be very helpful too. No, s- no scoop today. No, not today. But loose sounds lips, like we loose got some lips sink, sink shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Chief, I appreciate you stopping in and chatting with us a little bit this morning. Before we let you go, let people know again, you are recruiting and looking for some new hires, so where people can go to find that information. Absolutely. You can jump right on martinsburgpd.org. You can fill out the application, send it in online. Uh, it's got things that you can just scan right into your phone to pull it up as well. Uh, my people are doing really good stuff with that advertising and recruiting. We're going to do more. Uh, I know we're looking at some billboard signs. We're looking at some geo something fencing. Yeah, something. oh yeah. yeah I, I'm not that IT <laughs> guy, but but I understand the concept. So it's good stuff, and, and we're looking to do more and more with that. But I need people, and I got to tell you, out of that Berkeley uh, mm-hmm. leadership sure? thing, mm-hmm. yeah. I got an applicant. One one of the per, one of the persons in there said, "Hey, my son's applied with you," and I said, "Really." And she brought him in. She called him and said, hey, I'm talking to the chief. Why don't you stop in? So he did. And I got to meet the young man. And uh, he said, yes, sir. I filled it out. I'm not sure that it got sent in. But I checked. I said, yeah, it did. She's got your application when the testing was. So if we can do those kind of community things and I get people representing that they want to be here with the police department, that's all good stuff. That's what this small town, that's how it works. So I'm real happy with it. And as always, uh, thank you all so much. You've been so gracious to me and my department and this city and you're as vital to it as we are well we appreciate it chief and i like the mustache too i was thinking about doing uh, that i wasn't myself, gonna say but, anything uh, well no, you I'm got glad, to well since you did i uh, over the uh, christmas break this time with the way the holidays uh, fell i took some time off i haven't done that in 37 years but basically you took off three days and you ended up with 10 with all the holidays yeah. oh, yeah. the city was given in the weekends so I quit shaving for a little bit, and uh, I had a beard going as well, but it kind of looked like a German Shepherd passed by me and slept on it. I had several different colors of gray and black and white, but uh, I asked my wife, Lisa, what do you about to think about a mustache? I said, I've never had one in uniform. So I gave it a shot. There you go. Uh, people at work, so, uh, some of them seem to like it. Now, I'm sure some laugh behind my back. You but, look distinguished. But I was going to give no, it a shot, good. so I'm going to try it for a while, and we'll see. But the beard, oh, my Lord, it, it was scratching so much. It was just itching me to death. I couldn't take that. Well, Chief, thank you again. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Amen. And stick around for more Panhandle Live after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Taking local stories and sharing them with the four state. This is Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, attorneys at law. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full service law firm, so West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at SuttonandJanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. If you missed it, for the break, we have Martinsburg Police Chief George Swartwood on to talk about all the great things they have going on over at the uh, police station and with their recruiting. And uh, always a good time talking with the chief, uh, with police chief, and not surprised that he is a Cowboys fan. You know, I I would not make a stretch like that. I guess if, if you're already like a sports person, <laughs> what you said makes a lot of sense. But mm-hmm. like, you know, he's lived here so long, and this is this has been historically. And no offense to the Ravens fans, but uh, you know, Redskins country or yeah. the com- Commanders or mm-hmm. the football team or whatever iteration there. So I mean, he's really been up against it for a lot yeah. of years. <laughs> 
But it's always nice. It's always nice to talk to him, especially when there's a lot of good things uh, going on. So if you missed any of that conversation with the police chief, well, you can listen to it a little bit later on today. I uh, wanted to let folks know that today at 6 p.m. at Musselman High School, there's a panel discussion, community growth and infrastructure. Um, and I'm trying to find the description. Oh, here it is. If it loads. Oh, there we go. Community growth and infrastructure. At what cost? The discussion will take place in the LGI room at Musselman High School. So that's not the auditorium. It's like as you come in, you go down the hall to the left. And, and yeah. it's kind of like a like stadium seating. It's a bigger classroom. Um, free and open to the public. So it starts at 6 p.m. And uh, I believe that you had a discussion about this mm-hmm. while I was away. And uh, our friend Hans Vogel will be the moderator. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and oh, now I'm forgetting her name. But um, Brought to you by the Stubblefield Institute. Yes. So I know you had and a... they were in, I believe that was last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great conversation. And it's, it's that's a very important conversation, especially for the area. Uh, of course, the reason why they're having it, because of all the new uh, you know, people moving in all the time mm-hmm. and the new infrastructure all the time. And, uh, you know, people have questions and concerns. And I think this was definitely an interesting one for uh, the folks of the Panhandle. It is. It's a conversation. You know, I'm not sure things yep. will get necessarily resolved, but um, it'll be civil uh, because it's the Stubblefield way. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. They. I, I love the conversations that they bring to the community. And I'm sure Hans is going to do a great job as the moderator. Absolutely. Miss him. Yes. Yeah. Well, anything else news-wise before we hit this uh, bottom break? Um, oh, where's mine? <laughs> you're, you're, I'm going to gonna, I'm gonna run sh- out of time. Not to shock you. Um, well, no, just um, Hoppy's going to have a lot of uh, talk about the legislature going on. And, and as promised yesterday, a lot of conversation about the DHHR split and um, tax reform in one way or the other. So I'm sure that conversation will continue as well. That's right. And well, we'll step aside for a few minutes, come back, and I'm sure we'll get a uh, angry message about this uh, conversation afterwards. But we'll be oh. chatting with uh, City of Hagerstown Administrator Scott Nice Warner because a lot of big news coming out of Hagerstown with their mayor resigning. That's so, right. So uh, we'll get the news on that. And, hey, we we talk about the Panhandle all day, every day anyway. So why not uh, chat about what's going on? Uh, this is really cool, though, because, yeah. you know, she's been a guest on the show, yep. and we, we've talked to her. And um, to know that someone local is going to into – um, a state uh, political position that's going to have that kind of impact. Kind of cool. Yeah, I think so too. So but we'll then be, what happens? You know, what happens to our position? Who knows? So, Well, we'll hope maybe find out after the break. Gonna nail on. them to the wall. Get the <laughs> important answers. Exactly. We'll ask them all the hard-hitting <laughs> questions, that's for sure, after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST. Part of the Panhandle story for 75 years. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm from West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Nicewarner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. And Marsha, there was some breaking news up across the state line across the river in Maryland yesterday with Hagerstown, their mayor, uh, putting her two weeks notice in, uh, for lack of a better term, because she will be joining the new governor of Maryland, Wes Moore. I believe today is his first day, or at least the inauguration is mm-hmm. today, um, as a well, a new cabinet member. And joining us is Hagerstown City Administrator, Scott Nice Warner. Scott, how you doing? Hi. Good, Jordan. How are you? <laughs> hey well, there. Well, tell us there, well, tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on here with the mayor. Her former mayor. Well, she's still the mayor. Uh, she'll be the mayor until January 31st. And uh, at that time, 
Um, she will uh, the next day head down to Annapolis to be uh, the new special secretary for, for special secretary for opioid response uh, for the state of Maryland. So um, it, it, it's an exciting thing for her. It, it's right in her wheelhouse. It's what she's been uh, advocating uh, for uh, increased awareness of opioid use and, and abuse. Um, and uh, the, I think the governor um, recognized that and found it important enough that he create this, this position uh, for her. And I think she'll do a great job. So obviously we've had the mayor on before, and uh, one of the things that she highlighted was uh, the special events in Washington County and Hagerstown in general to bring awareness in our region to the to the issues. Um, has Hagerstown, since her uh, purview as mayor, put a lot of effort in as a city to bring awareness to the problem and, and mitigate it? I, I, I think we have. Uh, most of that, though, has been done through Washington Goes Purple. We've worked uh, pretty hard with agencies in, in trying to increase um, access to, to uh, rehabilitation centers, to, um, uh, to counselors, to social workers um, from, from the city perspective. But I think through uh, Emily's work with Washington Goes Purple, that's really been where, um, where the the uh, I, I, I guess the the improvement or the the true uh, effort has gone, and I think she's done a, a great job in providing that awareness. You know, opioid abuse is is um, is a nationwide problem, and uh, it takes a grassroots effort. Uh, government can't solve everything. Uh, but when it comes from from a grassroots effort that gains momentum like Washington Goes Purple has over the years, uh, that's where um, that's where the the effort really becomes uh, fruitful. And uh, there's still a lot of work to do, uh, and not only here but throughout the state. And I think the governor recognized that, which is you know another reason why uh, he created this position so that she can travel the state and try to. You know, provide some some advice and and opportunities, uh, whether it be through her experience or through available funding that'll be going uh, through her office to uh, to increase awareness and hopefully to provide more resources for those that need it. Well, how's the city feeling? Are people surprised? They upset or happy for? I'm sure uh, most people were happy for, but I'm guessing this wasn't a too much of a surprise to everybody. No, not really. I mean, it wasn't. Knowing her relationship with the governor, I mean, that relationship uh, when he was a candidate went, you know, back into the summer of uh, 21, I guess, during the initial beginnings of the campaign. Uh, We all had a chance to get to know him a little bit uh, down at the Maryland Municipal League Summer Conference in Ocean City. Um, We all were very impressed with him at that at that point. and that's when, you know, he likes to talk about it. He only had 3% of the, uh, of the vote in polls at that time. Uh, and then I think uh, as, as time went on, um, she developed a relationship with him that, um, that became uh, one of trust and one of, you know, sh- a shared vision with him. And, um, and, and that just really came. I mean, it was really evident when, when uh, the governor-elect, the candidate, was up here and did his bus tour 
and visited the uh, future side of the Dolman Black Heritage Museum and, and had an event at the Maryland Theater. And it was kind of at that point where we were like, yeah, if this guy wins, um, he's going to find something uh, for Emily to do. Well, I, didn't, well, I was I was surprised that it that it was elevated to a cabinet level that she got. Not that not that it wasn't deserved, but um, yeah, that was one we didn't suspect. But as soon as he was elected, the city clerk and I began digging out the old stuff when the last time we had to replace a mayor. So <laughs> wow, it, it, yeah, it didn't catch us. Uh, it didn't catch us by much of a by much of a surprise. We'll talk about that because you got less than two weeks, and then she's off to her her new position with the Moore administration. So, what is the what's the process? Yeah, does that fall to you now, or what? Yeah, oh, are you no, are you are we no, speaking to the mayor? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it's amazing how many texts I got yesterday saying, "Are you the new mayor?" And I was just like, you know, no. <laughs> Absolutely um, not. <laughs> yeah, the, the city charter, I, I don't want to say the city charter is vague, but the city charter basically gives the mayor ca- or the, the city council latitude to uh, do however they feel is best to, to appoint a mayor or a council member at that point. Um, what they'll do is we talked about it some yesterday, various options they have. Uh, they could choose from within. Uh, they could choose from outside or they could do an application type process and um you know interview people like they did for for council members uh that have left like uh council member quarterman who's now who was delegate and senator um uh council member munson when he left um they did the application process so they're thinking about it now how they're going to do it and uh, i'm sure with it you know next week we meet there'll be some discussion if there is no mayor, that's not really a big deal um, in, in Hagerstown, the way our government is. Um, they can, uh, we can still run meetings and that kind of thing without a governor. But I don't foresee there being much of a lapse uh, between when Emily leaves and, and having someone else. And with two, and correct me if I'm wrong, with two years left in the term, there wouldn't be a special election, right? No, no, there wouldn't. We don't have that as part of our charter. Um, so it would be someone who would serve out the term, and then if they decided to run, they would just go through the normal election process. So I know you mentioned that um, during his campaign, um, Governor-elect Moore um, spent some time in Hagerstown and in Washington County um, and now has tapped the mayor of Hagerstown to be in his cabinet. But um, d- does that necessarily uh, translate to Hagerstown being on his radar? Oh, it absolutely does. Um, we'll make sure of it. Um, because Emily's still a neighbor of mine, so I can just walk up the street and say, hey, I need you to talk to the governor about this. Wow. Um, And I I mean that literally. Uh, I have no problem doing that. Uh, we got a lot of things happening here in Hagerstown, and and having uh, not only uh, the delegation we have, especially our city delegation, Senator Quarterman, new delegate Brooke Grossman, um, but also having um, Mayor Keller, now in his cabinet, as well as some other friends of the city within his cabinet, uh, we were especially pleased to see the new director of housing, um, who was Jake Day, who's the mayor of Salisbury, that, that we know uh, very well. Um, we're hoping that uh, with having those increased uh, voices of support within his cabinet, that uh, uh, the governor will um, have Hagerstown front and center in his head for the next uh, four years. Again, we're speaking with City Administrator of Hagerstown, Scott Nice Warner, talking about the mayor stepping down to take a cabinet position with the new. Uh, has he been um, 
sworn in yet? Is he the, no, the governor today, yet? Right? It's at noon today. Yeah, noon today. It's quiet in here today. Uh, Garrett, so, uh, well, everybody's probably gone down there for that. Well, yeah, I think several went down for that, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's at noon today. Well, that's a uh, pretty big deal. But another big deal, do you got the stadium built yet? What's going on with that? Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> with all the questions. <laughs> yeah, I drove through there today. Well, of course, I drive through there every day to work. And, and man, it is just amazing how uh, – how that the, they're tearing the ground up and and I saw the rock cutters so uh, they they've hit that rock that we've uh, always warned folks about when you, when you develop in Hagerstown that you got about two feet of dirt and then you hit bedrock after that um, but it's coming along um, and uh, I'm hoping that we're we're still on track to to see a first pitch in 2020 and 2024 2020 late maybe mid 2024 maybe whoa really. I hope so. Yeah, they're they're moving on this sucker. I tell you, it's um, it's amazing how much it's transformed just in the last month. Wow. Well, I'll be excited to see that one finished up because uh, I think that will look pretty cool in downtown Hagerstown. Oh yeah, it's it, it, uh, We've always said it was going to be no pun intended a game changer, but um, what, what we're seeing now with with the amount of uh, economic development requests we get and the in the interest in properties around uh, the stadium in the downtown period i i this is going to be um it's going to be transformative and then add on top of that the um, proposed hagerstown field house that's going to go at the old municipal stadium site um we're going to be I, I i truly see hagerstown being a hub for um athletics and extracurricular activity um for a long time after those two projects are done well, there's all kinds of stuff going on up and down this I-81 corridor. And Pops, uh, Hagerstown City Administrator Scott Nice Warner, thanks for joining us on Panhandle Live today. You bet, buddy. I'll see you later. All right. Take see you. Thank you. See ya. And Hagerstown City Administrator Scott Nice Warner joining us, talking about the mayor stepping down to well take herself to Annapolis, down to the state capitol for Maryland with uh, her new cabinet position, and well, a stadium update, all kinds of stuff going on up there. That's cool. Yeah, that is pretty neat, especially uh, with that new governor, uh, Wes Moore, first African-American governor in state history. And he's definitely got a lot of he's bringing a lot of changes to the state. So we'll see. We'll see. It'll definitely be a different, I guess, regime than. Um, I don't know if it regime. Yeah, that's, that's a tough word. Different um, energy. Yes. Than, energy. than it was with uh, Governor Hogan, although he seemed to be pretty universally liked in the state. So. We'll see how it'll work out, but he's definitely definitely making some waves in Annapolis in his early stages of being the governor, even though he's not even the governor yet, of Maryland, Westmore. But if you missed any conversation, you can listen back to it, listen back to it a little bit later on, and we'll step aside one final time. We'll come back, and we will wrap things up here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live, the voice of the Panhandle. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik.
Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firms from West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. If you missed it before the break, we had City Administrator Scott Warner on to talk about the mayor of Hagerstown stepping down to join the, well, to join state uh, wide government over in Maryland and some of their plans moving forward. A lot of things happening, uh, not just here in Panhandle, but also in our neighbors uh, north and south of us. So uh, thanks to Dad for calling in. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I should have asked about the game that you guys went to, too. Oh, I know. Sure we went, we've done a lot of sports uh, sports game traveling here last awesome. week or so. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned after Panhandle Live because Hoppy Kirchival is up with Talkline at 10.06. And I think they're at the Capitol today. And he will be talking a lot about the capital business. Uh, first up will be Senate Finance Committee Chair Eric Tarr on taxes. Um, after that will be House Minority Leader Doug Scaff on the tax bill up for the third reading in the House because both of those you know, bodies will be doing uh, different work, sometimes on the same types of issues. Um, then after 1030, Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Charlie Trump uh, from Morgan County will be talking about campus carry. And I'm sure they'll be talking mm-hmm. about other things as well, because um, as Prosecutor uh, Katie Wilkes Delegetti mentioned, uh, he's been a big proponent of um, shoring up DHHR and CPS, especially uh, in regard to some of the low numbers of you know uh, or the high number of vacancies uh, in in the Panhandle. So stay tuned at 10:30 for that. Uh, 10:45, Commerce Secretary James Bailon has set a bill that would enable the state to make money from carbon sequestration projects. Um, and then at 11, our favorite, Brad McElhenney, uh, will be on uh, to talk about the business of the uh, the legislature. And uh, let's see, West Virginia Wesleyan Interim President James Moore, Dr. James Moore. Uh, and at the very end of the show, Governor Justice's Director of Communications, Jordan Dameron, on the governor's condition, as was mentioned earlier today on our news cycle. He has been, um, he has tested positive for COVID again. Are you reading that from your uh, new briefing report that you get? Oh, this is from Hoppy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's something in it. Uh, the weird, odd trickle-down uh, effect from the governor getting COVID is potentially Bob Huggins having COVID now. Or so is he being isolating exposed. or what? I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure he probably is. I hope it, he's okay. Yeah, baby I dog hope, has I hope been baby exposed. dog's okay. Okay, so can't I thought I read early on in the pandemic that your pets could get yeah. COVID from you. I think so. So, you know, I think you know, know, our well wishes, of course, are with the governor, but also, you know, Bob Huggins and everyone else that was up on the platform, including baby dog. No one mm-hmm. wants to see baby dog with sniffles. Those kinds of dogs have hard enough time you know, yeah. breathing. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, Bob Huggins is going through enough right now as it is with the basketball oh program. So And the fans. Trust me, you should see the internet after a West Virginia basketball game anymore. It's it's like... It's brutal. Oh, it's 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 pretty rough pretty rough but who knows i guess they'll try and figure all that out i'm sure hoppy will be talking about that uh today on talk line right after us here in just a few minutes about uh what 10 minutes is when hoppy will be getting on the airwaves that uh, he's at the capitol he's been posting all of his favorite pictures and uh well pictures of his favorite pictures and statues around the rotunda which is pretty funny so i have to tell you mm-hmm. i um i tuned in to your coverage last night you and luke were, were mm-hmm. on the call it was hedgesville versus Jefferson. Yep. Sorry. And I, I heard like the tip end of it. I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to listen to everything. I heard it in time to hear, you know, poor coach Kelly Church got, you know, I know. <laughs> you know, someone ran into him during the game and it was a nail biter up to the very like you guys were calling. Oh, it's 
80 seconds left, 10 yeah. seconds left. Wow, what a game. It was definitely a great, great game, and we talked a lot about that over on Panhandle Sports Live before. Panhandle Live each morning, you can listen back to that over on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page, but it was a fantastic game, and that was such a strange play with Coach Church. Uh, I can't remember offhand who the Jefferson player was that ran into him, but just going for the ball, I mean, it wasn't anything you know, malicious, of course. Right. But from our angle, it didn't look like it was anything too crazy. And Coach couldn't quite – it looked like he couldn't quite get his footing, and he kind of tumbled through the bench and then into the stands a bit. And then we didn't think anything of it. Um, and Coach went out and shook his hand, the kid's hand afterwards to show there wasn't any hard feelings and such. But then after the game, you know, Luke ends up finding that out. And I was thinking about it, and, you know, when – he was kind of trying to find his footing and tumbling into the stands. It looked like he was seeing stars Wow! during that. Okay. And, you know, Luke said that that's also what he said. He was seeing stars at that moment. But he seems to be fine. I hope he's fine. And, you know, it just goes to show you one of those uh, innocent-seeming plays could always turn out to be, you know, something potential. That's so. one of my worries when I go to a sporting event. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that just well, especially makes me sound now, like a wimp. That, well, especially but, now with DeMar Hamlin and stuff, that's such, you know, it's in everybody's, the mm-hmm. front of everybody's mind. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't handle it if I took a hard hit from anything. Yeah, uh, you know, wiffle, wiffle ball, player. <laughs> Pool noodle. Right. <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be carrying me out. Everyone, moment of silence. That poor older lady is now on a stretcher. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully uh, Coach Church is all right. I'm sure he will be. He'll be fine, especially with the way his team's playing. That'll get you back yeah, to, uh, well. to good health. Nice and quick with how well Hedges Bill has been playing but that you can hear the uh, highlights over on Twitter uh, we and, and if you listen back to Panhandle Sports Live from today uh, we played the highlights on there as well and a little cycling coverage too gonna be bugging everybody oh, with that man. this summer spring you, and summer I'm you so threatened excited you, were gonna, you threatened you were gonna have some of that I told him I was like hey if I'm the one behind the computer there's probably gonna be some cycling content on every once in a while so that happened okay. but just a few seconds left Marsha any final words for the fine folks of the Panhandle um, just remember that at uh, Muslim High School LGI room tonight, Stubblefield Institute is uh, having a conversation about development uh, hosted by Hans Vogel. Our That's friend right. Hans Vogel will be there. That's right. If you missed any show, you can always listen back a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. For Marsha, I am Jordan. Hoppy is next from the state capitol. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.